You're supposed to only use the needle for like three times. But I'm not gonna fucking change needles every three days, so I just wait until it hurts. <laughs> That's how people wind up on death row with those diseases, Hans, is you don't change the needle. Well, I don't share it either, so if, <laughs> if You don't pass I it should... around with your family? You don't pass <laughs> your diabetes needles around? <laughs> no. So uh, I just wait until it hurts too much. And then I just change the needle. But yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been all right. It's been all right. Well, it's been some time since we've recorded. Huh? Yeah. So you like how I'm just in programmer mode now? I'm in broadcaster mode. Um, how did you yeah. feel about that show we just concluded with DC? You seem like you were, you were starting to get exhausted. Well, it went on for, for a little bit. What did we do, like two hours? We did two hours. I said a yeah. reasonable amount of time. He took that as two hours. <laughs> and I mean, it's fine when, I don't know. I feel like it's, it's, it's more difficult to keep your energy up when, when it's so like random, you know? So even though I do enjoy doing the show, I, I feel kind of drained by the end of the show, but not today. I feel good. We haven't recorded in a long time. So, so. no, I want to get back behind the mic as often as possible. I mean, it's easy for me to do while I'm in Massachusetts. When I'm in New York, it's another story. Yeah. But yeah, How it has been quite some time. I feel like uh, it's probably been a month. Since yeah, we something like that. Show. Uh, how long are you in Boston for, or Mass? I'm here until the, so we're recording this on Monday the 14th. I'm going to be here until the 22nd. And uh, I guess we're just going to try and fill up as much time with podcasts while, yeah. while that's happening. Because I'm still on Omega Fish Corp until probably mid-September. And that's a more generous, that's before we even take into account like reshoots or anything like that. So it's going to be a little bit of time uh, and we need to slow drip some episodes out. Cause I'll tell you what Patreon took a pretty significant <laughs> hit. It took a hit uh, as soon as I stopped recording with you. So yeah, it will do me good too, because I've been watching just garbage. <laughs> like I don't, since I don't have a reason to watch good shit. It's just like, whatever's on TV, I'll just watch this shit. And uh, you watch a 90 day fiance. No, that's not garbage. That's an awesome show. It's <laughs> a lot of that's, fun. That's Kino. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that show rules. So many fucking mentally handicapped people that are fooled by either catfishes or, you know. Uh, my favorite thing is always the clueless American woman that's like 50 and thinks that a model from like, I don't know, Turkey is like, oh yeah, I'm so attracted to you, gigantic fat woman from Ohio. <laughs> it's not about your money at all. I'm, you know, I want a wife, mom. Well, that seems that seems to happen with a lot of like Somalis, you know. There's like one Arab guy I can think of where it was like a 55 year old mom, and he was like, "Yeah, I just I really love her." Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, pal. But yeah, for and the I've, most part, I've been seeing. Let me see. I've seen. I saw all of the Insidious movies, and uh, I think because you know how I rarely ever rewatch anything. This is the first time that I rewatched them since I saw them in the theater. Those movies fucking suck. <laughs> They're bad. They have not aged gracefully at all. And I, I and it was weird because I found myself enjoying the later ones more than the first ones mm. where I think that James Wan has like very little involvement if any at all. Uh, but the first two it it was like a bit of a struggle to get through them because of how just bad how many dire, are there i guess four or five i think i think the fifth one just came out in theaters uh and i saw it on on 
YTS. I remember going to see that first Insidious movie, and I felt halfway through the theater, oh, I got duped. This is actually a big piece of shit movie. Uh, (laughs) This is the worst movie I've paid to see in a theater. And that was what, like 2010 or something? Yeah. Yeah, Okay. So I've never been a fan of them. And as a matter of fact, I was very put off to James Wan for a long period of time, even though I like the first Saw movie. Did mm-hmm. he direct the first Saw movie or he co-wrote it? Uh, that's a good question. Let me pull that up. But uh, yeah, I, I now, because I think like around that time, there was like a renaissance of horror, I guess. Uh, he wrote Saw and uh, directed it with Lee, Lee Wanell who wrote all of these apparently. Um, but uh, I feel like around the 2010s, there was, or at least horror movies back in theaters. So there was this thing of like, you know, you got the Conjurings, you got the the Insidiouses, you got mm-hmm. the the Ouija, that uh, Ouija, the new, whatever, the Reborn one that our friend made. Our and good that, pal, Mike Flanagan. Yeah, our good friend. Uh, but now that I rewatch these, I feel like maybe they were just a product of its time, just like most movies from around that time. Because I I do remember enjoying I enjoying them in the theater, and and this rewatch was fucking painful. Uh, it it was just very, just bad, you know. Very, why why are these movies considered better than what this is, which is a two or a three out of five max. I think. Well, I think in retrospect, what we were going through at the time was like a second run of the 1980s with all those horror franchises that were mm-hmm. dropping movies annually. We had Saw, we had Paranormal Activity, we had, there were, there were tons of films and they were still doing like the remakes of the, the, the yeah. slasher franchises at the time. And now there's like none of that. You get one, uh, probably one slasher icon movie a year maybe and then you get a bunch of like a24 yeah here's your prestige horror film and the current one of the moment is talk to me which every reputable reputable uh horror director is saying oh it's the best movie of the year it's actually really shockingly good and you should go see it cool okay again i said this on twitter they never have anything bad to say about any movie because they don't mm-hmm. want to jeopardize their standing as, oh, this is the the studio's golden boy. Um, so you will never really know what their opinion is of any film. And I don't I don't trust Guillermo del Toro's opinion on movies. No, he's, it's like Kevin Smith, you know, he's 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 doing it for access, I guess. And I like I like Guillermo, but. I, I think I, I talked about this when I did the Mutual Liberation Society with a with a friend, Ryan, where uh, we were talking about Skinnamarink and how online all, all these film people had nothing negative to say about it. Nothing. So like, even if you don't think it's a huge piece of shit, there's obviously issues with the movie, but the fact that none of them, the, you know, the regular voices that talk about this on Twitter or online have anything negative to say about it, you know, it's not going to be good. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this movie, just because of that, it has put me off from even trying to download it to watch it, not even going to a theater because it's always like, I can't be trusted. Those are not the voices that you trust when something is good. And it feels like it's more like, well, this is the, this is the smile. Or this is the um all oh, right smile was another one they they tried to tell you that's yep. just, that's actually a really good movie it's actually it's, very scary did you see it no it's, i didn't i knew better. thanks 
it's yeah it's bad uh i i saw it at the same time that that we saw that justin long one that you liked better more, more than me Tusk. Uh, with no the one with the oh. monster hillbilly lady the monsters yes the one with the basement red rape monster remember don't breathe i don't that the rape monster there is the old man isn't it yeah <laughs> isn't that the second one yeah, the, around that time, and I was like, let's watch Smile. I'm sure that Trey is bad. So, so whenever that comes up, and especially because like, I I feel like A24 was the like, premise that, of Smile the guy who's on the train and goes up to women and says, "Hey, you should smile more." <laughs> yeah, just a group of guys that see a, a a girl walk down the streets and they're like, "Hey, pst, hey, girl, how about a smile?" You'd be so <laughs> pretty if you smiled a little bit. Yeah, and I don't, and then, you know what? I wish I remember if that happens in the movie because I'm sure it did at one point. But no, it's just. I think that's the ending. Is they say that to her at the beginning, and then they say it to her at the end, and she turns around. She has that ghastly yeah. monster smile, and then she like, eats you. Uh, yep. Yeah. No, it's not even fun like that. It's just, it's just a jump scare, and and jump scares are fine. I don't hate them when they're well done but when it's just a jump scare for the sake of it you're just kind of like oh fuck okay i don't yeah I, I i don't think there's many you know i i kind of had high hopes as far as 2023 goes when it comes to movies but honestly maybe it's just that i'm not watching a whole lot of new movies mm -hmm. uh especially by comparison to last year i'm not impressed with the crop of films that have turned up at the the theater although i did have uh you know we're picking up recording after the whole barbenheimer trend yeah. and boy uh did i get tired of hearing barbenheimer on every podcast whether it was related to film or not related to film but oh. both of those movies i thought were very solid movies even even bar i did not look forward to barbie at all and i had a good time with barbie i thought it was um very stupid and very female brained in that it did not make sense at all. Like the logic of the movie did not make sense in a way that like a dumb girl would think. Like, actually, we you know, it has to be this way because this way's good. The other way's bad. Like that's the logic of the Barbie movie. I was like, oh, okay, all right. I can go along with that. I don't but need is this it, to be smart. Right, but it's played, is it played straight or is it played as a, like it's, a silly? No, 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 they don't even seem to, I mean, they must, they must realize that's like the logic of the movie. I don't know if that was like a thought out thing or or what, or they just didn't care, but it's not like a conscious thing with the, the film at all. It's just like, we have to do this to do this so it's not that over there because that over there is bad, but this over here is good. Even though it's the same, it's just the reverse of that. Right. But everything, all their complaints don't carry over to over here, but it's the same thing, you know, so I, I don't I don't mind that I can accept that I kind of like that it's anti intellectual and like, OK, <laughs> we're not going to get like a feminist uh, theory of, uh, you know, there's no analysis here. There's nothing in depth. It's, yeah, just it's very just... simple minded. And, so, you know, OK, cool. It's a Barbie movie. What the fuck is it supposed to be? Yeah, just very surface level, I guess, feminism concept things. Even less surface level than probably what you're thinking right now. It's just okay. like a retarded person. Barb, that's I should put that on the poster. It's it's, uh, it's <laughs> the makers of of retarded children present uh, Barbie. You know, I've been watching. So Will Ferrell's in that movie. 
He kind of sucks. Lombardi? I'm kind of, yeah, he's the bad guy-ish. Actually, Ken is really the bad guy of the movie, but Will Ferrell's the executive of Mattel. I don't like how meta Barbie got. That's that's my only complaint. I don't like mm. that they got super meta with it. But did, that just reminded me. Yeah. Did Oppenheimer get meta? <laughs> yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think he stares into it and uh, into the camera. And he says, wow, this movie was the bomb. And then he nice. winks and then they close. They do the Looney Tunes like shrink. Yep. Great. And then a uh, melted Japanese child hops out of the little hole like Porky Pig did. If Christopher Nolan was fun, he would end that movie <laughs> like that. <laughs> that was a the bomb. Not even the, so it doesn't fit at all in what, 1950 or 30, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's the bomb. And then the movie ends. The best but... part of Oppenheimer and the funniest moment in my opinion, in my theater laughed was when they brought out Gary Oldman as President Harry S. Truman. And he was like, ah, oh, so you made the bomb. And Killian Murphy's Oppenheimer was like, yes. And I, you know, it's just been weighing on me this entire time. And uh, Gary Oldman's like, no one gives a shit about you. I dropped the bomb. Get this pussy out of the White House. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. And I thought that was great, especially from Gary Oldman, where he's like playing it like fucking Elmer Fudd. You know, he's, it was great. Oppenheimer was awesome. You know, you don't see anything though. There's nothing bad as far as like melted people or fuck. You never see the destruction. What was the thing that they they said that, you know, got a lot of attention about like how he wanted to make it look realistic. So he built his own nuclear bomb and Mm -hmm. detonated it in Vegas or whatever. Well, they, they had to test the bomb out before they actually dropped the bombs. So you see the entire testing process and you have like a bunch of, C and D-list Nickelodeon stars in the background getting their big break. Benny Safdie's very good in the movie. Yeah. Is it Josh or Drake? No, not Drake, right? Drake. No, he's not allowed anywhere near a film yeah. set these days. Right. Uh, I think Josh, it's, it's Josh it's, Peck in it. It's Josh Peck. And then they have some other guy who's on like those shows during that time as well. And I'm, his name is escaping me at the moment. And he's in it for like two shots of the movie, but he has a billing right above the title on some of the posters, which yeah. is kind of insane. Is it Lil Pete from Pete and Pete? <laughs> Damn, Danny Tamperelli. <laughs> uh, I just got into this cycle of watching. Uh, I mean, I've been on this cycle for a while, but I follow a channel that puts out recordings of Nick at Night, and then he'll add in more commercials and stuff from the era. And I want to give this guy a shout out. So let me look it up real quick what his YouTube channel is. I watch this every single night and I just got into like Mary Tyler Moore and fucking Dragnet and all these really oh, not awesome. good shows, but they're, they're, I don't know. It's cozy viewing, but yeah. they had a, a snick one and I watched that. And I was like, wow, Pete and Pete was like, you couldn't give that to kids today. Not even cause it's like bad or, or dirty or anything like that. It's just like kids would not know how to react to this kind of show now. Why? I don't really remember much i remember the intro pretty much and that's it the comedy on pete and pete plays out like a modern adult comedy move like a like napoleon dynamite or something you know but like more than that it's just peculiar it's so like i don't know how to describe it it? maybe but i wouldn't even say that it's hard to describe the comedy of Pete and Pete, but back then, and this really is the, the, the cracked code of any children's entertainment is, and I hate to say it, 
you got to hire pedophiles. Pedophiles know what's good for the kids. Um, and I, I kind of mean that. John Kay was a great, great creator, and he was in AOL chat rooms. Um, he did fly some girls out. You know, yeah. allegedly he didn't do nothing. But, uh, you know, flying them out is enough. Really, opening the instant message tab is enough. But, hey, I'm sure something happened with Pete and Pete. Tim Burton, we've always been discussing behind the scenes, his private pedophile ring with Paul Rubens (laughs) and uh, who was the other guy with the big mustache from Ferris Bueller? Oh, uh, uh, um, yeah. um, um, Jeffrey Tambor. Yes, (laughs) Jeffrey. Michael Cimino. Michael Chiklis. <laughs> Wait, no, but the foot guy from Nickelodeon was not involved. There in the you show. go. That's probably another one. He did all that. All that is a classic show. No, uh, I don't. As far as I know, there was actually no pedophilia behind oh, the scenes of Pete and Pete. They were pretty old at that time, you know. So, and who's molesting Danny Tamborelli? <laughs> Gross little fucking <laughs> fat ginger this. piece of shit. Remember when he went on Legion of Skanks and like yeah. Antifa disrupted it, and then he was like, "What? They're fascists?" Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, there was a there was a Proud Boy, I think, or something, and so, or no, someone got mad because someone was wearing a Proud Boy hat and like tried to make a fuss, and then mm-hmm. Lewis got like all men with him and shit, and Danny Tamborino was just sitting there like. Oh, Tamborini, Tamborelli, sorry. Tamborino. Who the fuck is Danny Tamborino? Uh, Danny Tamborelli. Bonaduce was in the audience. <laughs> yeah, he was sitting there, sitting there quiet with Nick Mullen, I think, was the other person there, too. So he's just like, what the fuck is happening? Fuck I don't me. think it was Nick. That would be such a weird panel if it's Danny Tamborelli and Nick Mullen. Wasn't I can't, it? I can't imagine that. But maybe it was. I have no idea. I remember they, they talked about it like, this is our big break. Like this, this is, uh, we have yeah. someone from showbiz on and this is what happens. It was Tamborelli and, oh no, no, Nick Mullen wasn't it. It was just him. I don't know why I thought maybe they talked about it with Nick Mullen or something, but yeah, that, uh, I remember them being very excited about Lil Pete. And it's like, who, like, I mean, it was a, it was a fun show. I'm sure. <laughs> I don't remember any of it, but. I watched that and I watched Muppet Babies. Uh, I'm almost 33 years old. I watched Muppet Babies in my mom's basement the other day. That was my shit when I was like way too old (laughs) to watch that when I was like 17 or something. (laughs) And it was just on TV in the morning. I was like, oh, cool. Muppet Babies. Muppet Babies. Yeah, you were 17 (laughs) in 1986. Um, Muppet Babies, my big takeaway was damn they're all so mean to Gonzo. Gonzo's yeah. just always trying to be everybody's friend. And then Piggy like gaslights him into thinking he broke Scooter's foot or something because he left his <laughs> roller skate out. And she didn't want to admit it was her roller skate. That fucking lying bitch. I don't know. I got pretty invested in that episode of Muppet Babies. And I also noticed that they like to shoehorn live action visuals into the show, which was kind of trippy at the time. I remember uh, seeing the Phantom of the Opera on Muppet Babies one time. Something scary like that. Nosferatu appeared on SpongeBob, oh, yeah, yeah. but he also appeared on yeah. Muppet Babies beforehand. Yeah, those shows, I don't know. I, I don't, I mean, Muppet Babies is not like a dark show, but I think around that time, there wasn't as much attention by parents put on these things that they could just get away with shit like that. Cause just, just sit in front of fucking Nickelodeon and watch whatever, they're safe, right? But there's like around the time, courage the cowardly dog was a creep that was another show. one where they all these shows would throw weird visuals in from time to time that would just be 
unsettling for the yeah. child viewer and probably not even child viewer but adolescent or adult viewer as well yeah and i don't think that exists anymore on not that i know anything hell no they are monitoring that i mean remember like million dollar extreme not a children's show is on adult swim got and like they they got killed because of hidden swastikas like of course people are going to be analyzing every single frame they they knocked out the um the shooter's logo from the world peace thing so no they're very vigilant about these things wherever they can uh look I guess, and and scope out and make sure, okay, there's nothing hidden, there's nothing coded here. Although, you know, you, you sign on the wrong message board, they'll tell you that there's triangles that mean oh, yeah. this and that, and pizza yeah. hey. means boy, and cheese means cheese. girl or something. I don't know. Um, there's a lot of weird stuff out there. Don't go online. Yeah, there there's a lot of channels that do cool shit like that on YouTube. I've found someone that's been up- uploading every episode of Tales from the Crypt. Uh, and then I found another one that where someone was just posting Saturday morning cartoon, like a four hour block. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, if you, uh, I mean, that's probably what's best for YouTube now, since most YouTube content is kind of. It all sucks. Whatever, there, there's yeah. nothing good on YouTube anymore. Honestly, I, I would daily consume YouTube of like even people I don't like. Like I would watch Tim Pool's show every night after Joe Rogan <laughs> took his show to Spotify. I'd just be like, uh, Tim Pool. But I would make the choice to sit down and yeah. watch an hour to two hours of the show until I got sick of them. And I don't even do that anymore. The only stuff I watch is uploaded stuff like that. Or I've been looking at uh, eBay. You can buy on eBay blank tapes. And these blank tapes will often be like someone's recording they set back in December of 1994 to record Star Trek and Wheel of Fortune. And you'll get all that and you'll get like commercials from the era. And that can be its own fun uh, experiment too. And they usually sell for pretty cheap. If you're looking for a particular show, you want a a singular kind of vibe. Like, for example, I bought a videotape uh, of Survivor the Australian Outback as it was recorded on television in the year 2001. And just taking in that and the CSI episode that immediately followed it and seeing all the commercials that were on CBS at that time, that was kind of a cool experience to do that. Because uh, I, I certainly have, probably back right behind me, I have plenty of videotapes of things that I recorded off the television from the 90s and the aughts that I could easily dig into. And maybe I'll upload that. I don't know. I'm all in on VHS again at this point. Yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't even buy Blu-rays. I don't think about Blu-rays. I buy videotapes um nonstop, and i'm thinking about maybe even starting um like a distribution chain because i have all the equipment necessary to create videotapes from scratch using a computer and, and things yeah like just that. do do what those pages that you purchase modern yeah. movies from do yes yeah um but i probably wouldn't put out actual i mean this would be more like this would be a financially lucrative thought is to put out movies that are out in theaters and whatnot right now. I wouldn't do that. I would probably put out like comfort systems or I put out mass state right. lottery. I'd put out things that we've made onto videotape for its own experience. And I would consider maybe never putting it out on DVD or Blu-ray. So if you just own a VCR and that's your fucking thing, boom, we're going to put out not even a lot, like 15 of those. Yeah. It's just like you a know? collector's item. If you don't have, one. yes. Have, yeah. Yeah. This I'm face on the wall. I'm currently I'm currently thinking about doing that right now the only videotape I have made for myself of something that's modern is the flash 
I put the flash on videotape because I have, I bought from somebody the videotape case and the, they made a special oh. tape and a label and I just recorded it on there. I was like, all right, now I get that. Aside from that, it would probably just be custom stuff. And I am working on like a, a best of comfort systems special because I feel like going back to that, um, I've, I've been looking at like certain sketches and whatnot. They play funnier than I, I think sometimes. And then there's also a lot of junk in the later episodes that we yeah. can filter out. We can sum it up to like a good 40, 50 minute special episode. And maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll put that I out think, on video. I too. think that happens every time we rewatch it. Like we yep. always think it's just going to be kind of a chore kind of a, uh, and then we just giggle. Yep. <laughs> Have you gone back and watched any of that on your own? Yeah, I think I posted a couple of months ago. I po uh, I replied to something with one of the sketches, and they just started watching one of the episodes, and they just started watching it. And yeah, I, just like every time we've seen them on stream, it's like, oh, this is gonna be painful, and then we just end up enjoying ourselves. Uh, maybe because there's not that much content like that online, I guess. And then again, I'm I'm completely comedied out on anything that's like scripted. I couldn't even tell you last time I watched a show that's like supposed to be funny, you know? Yeah, I've gone back to shows like Eastbound and Down recently. That's about the extent. Oh, not really a comedy show, but I guess so. I just started watching Winning Time because it's about okay. like the history the of the Lakers, Lakers and the Celtics. Yeah. Uh, and that has been like a pretty solid show. It's not funny or anything, but the way that they shot it is kind of interesting. I don't, I don't mind it um, as far I've, as... I those series yeah i've been avoiding it because I, I don't know if it's just me but i feel like it would be kind of ted lasso ish but i know nothing about it and i just i haven't watched ted lasso either just because it's it's i've seen maybe half an episode of ted lasso and it's not like ted lasso i'll say okay. that ted lasso is very uh feel good in a forced artificial way and winning yeah. time is not that at all i mean well, they're just showing you the actual story with all its nasty moments yeah i mean i don't buy most of it like they really paint kareem abdul jabbar and larry bird to be fucking assholes yeah. um which maybe you know if they're the hot stars of the time who's gonna know the difference you know nobody like we didn't have tmz back then so if someone's a piece of shit on the set no one's ratting them out no one's losing their yeah. position by being a big mouth maybe that's that's the case but I have a feeling uh, Adam McKay or whoever the showrunner is took some liberties with that. But it's all based on like the actual string of wins and whatnot. I think mm. Air, checking out the uh, Ben Affleck movie Air, triggered that for me because I was a big basketball fan when I was a kid. I loved Michael Jordan. I had a big cardboard cutout of Michael Jordan in my bedroom <laughs> when I was a boy. I wanted to be uh, an athletic black man when I was a little child. Same. I was heartbroken that I could not be that. <laughs> I'm not 6'6". Six, six. The fuck? I hate my... Yeah. So Same thing. I had posters of NBA players in my room. Yeah. I, I still... I found a bunch of them in a box the other day, and they're all raggedy and, and all shitty, but yeah, posters in, in, in just like... Not even with a frame or anything, just the posters just taped on the wall. My Every room that I had up until like 21, I just had shit like that. And and now I'm old, so it's kind of embarrassing <laughs> to do that. <laughs> yeah, I think you're. I, it kind of feels like nowadays, especially, you're only allowed to be into sports up to a certain point. Yeah, and certainly. then it has a vibe to it, like comic books or video games or anything like that. And yeah. I don't think that was really the case before. 
Uh, I think did in the you, 90s, it certainly wasn't. Did you have a Pulp Fiction poster? Okay. No, no. I, I have, honestly, I, I was not really, I was not aware of Tarantino basically until uh, I checked out Reservoir Dogs when I was maybe 12 years old and I was way out of that era. But that was way before when you should have seen that too. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I think. Yeah. I don't know. The first movie, I feel like the first movie like that I saw was Maniac Cop 3 when I was six years old. And I saw it at the dollar store and I tricked my mom. I stacked like Mighty Mouse and then Felix the Cat <laughs> underneath in the dollar movie bin. And I was like, can I get these? And she's like, yeah, sure. And then I got home and I watched, it was not a good movie. Robert Davi was in it, um, Maniac Cop 3. I don't think, I've, I watched I think I've only seen the first two. Uh, who directed that? Don't know. Robert Davi and uh, I think Robert Z oh. Zidar, Dazar. William Lustig. William Lustig, who did uh, Maniac Cop 1 and 2. Mm -hmm. Oh, directed Maniac. Maniac. Yeah. That's... Maniac and Maniac. That's right. I, we, I think we've covered that before. We got into that a little little while back on when movies. When we did Maniac, yeah. Um, I can't, I don't know. I, I'm trying to think what was the first movie that I saw that I was not supposed to see because I, I Chucky terrified me when I was five because <laughs> I remember my entire family was watching it and I was just scared and my uncles were such shitheads like I, I guess an uncle's supposed to, to, to be that uh, they would just scare me with Chucky and it's so ridiculous to think that that would be scary but I was five. <laughs> I, you know, I got definitely got glimpses of horror movies and whatnot that I was not supposed to see when I was like three or four years old. I, I know that one was uh, it when I was maybe three or four. It was playing on Lifetime, which my mom watched all the time. It and I was Lifetime. like, yeah, well, Lifetime, I believe, was owned by ABC and okay. they probably had to deal with Lorimar, which produced it. And I remember being like, whoa, on Lifetime, I hate Lifetime. But this is interesting. What's happening here? And then as soon as he went and reached for the kid's arm, that's when my mom was like, okay, we're not watching that. No. And changed the channel. So I got that and I got Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare on UPN one night around Halloween. And did you watch the whole thing? Just like I think so. Afraid that anyone would walk in on you and Oh no no no! I I think I was given permission to watch it because it, it was like it was a goofier one too, but it was still mm -hmm. spooky for me at the time. It was not like the hard. It was cartoony, you know. He was like the Wicked Witch, and he was flying around and fucking doing this and that. Um, yeah, it, it was not scarring by any means, but that was another early one for me. Yeah, what was the? Have I ever? Oh, Exorcism of Emily Rose. That shit fucked me up, and I was old. I was like twenty-one. Yeah, you were like twenty-five when that came. Yeah, what are you talking but, about? But it was because of the three a.m. thing. Because I remember I just watched the movie, and I was like, okay, that was decent. I still, last time I saw it was over ten years ago, but I, mm -hmm. I like, I like it. Uh, and I remember that that same day I woke up and my clock said 3 a.m. And I was like, oh no, I'm gonna start twisting and turning now. My body's gonna get all the. Not obviously nothing happened, but I have you had any paranormal experiences? Uh, yes. When I uh, so my grandma in Mexico had a very old house that what they did was just build into it, so it went from uh, like a, a three bedroom house and they turned it into like a five bedroom house, like a big backyard, and 
but it was old as shit. So one day um, I was sleeping on the bed or trying to, to go to sleep and it was pitch black. And that would, when you can't see your face in front of your hand, like that type of completely black mm -hmm. and something shook my bed a couple, just like, like grabbed it. And I just felt like someone just shook it. And I yelled again, it was like, I don't know, 10, nine. Uh, and then my, my parents came, came and they were like, what happened? And it was like, Oh, someone shook my bed. And my dad just laughed it off and left. So, uh, that's, I crazy. just that's... had to deal with, I just had to deal with it. <laughs> and then he just turned the light off and left. And I was like, okay, cool. I hope it doesn't happen again. And I don't think it did, but, uh, yeah, I think that's the only time when anything spooky, like, Oh, uh, well, any other times have been with sleep paralysis where, yeah. where it's just, you know, you're just seeing I guess half of your dream or whatever. Right. Yeah. That's, so that's, I, that's not quite, quite as concrete. Although people yeah. certainly love to paint it as, Oh, I saw the demons in my room. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you? Did you? <laughs> yeah. I saw dreaming about one time I heard a, like a lot of children surrounding my bed, just laughing, just giggling creepily. And then another sleep time paralysis. Yeah. And oh, then God. another another time I saw like a, a wedding dress just dancing around my room. Oh God. Yeah. That sounds <laughs> uh, fucking horrible. Yeah, it wasn't. And, and and that's the thing with sleep paralysis is that you're awake enough where you're trying to get your body to, you know, respond and then it doesn't. So then you just uh in bed, just mm -hmm. uh trying to wake yourself up. Have you ever had Oh yeah. 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 I would get yeah. it, but, uh, the, I haven't had it in like 15 years. Thank God. I would get it the same place where I had paranormal experiences, um, is where I had sleep paralysis, but that this happened later on the sleep paralysis it was around like when I was 15 or 16 years old and I would just wake up. I wouldn't see anything, but I would just like, I know I would be awake and I'd be fucking like frozen. Mm -hmm. And I would have just a very bad vibe about the corner yeah. of the room. And that would be it. I wouldn't see anything. It would be nothing like that. It would be like, I got to wake myself up. Exactly. I'm, yeah. Know? It's a feeling of like something is going to happen if I don't wake up yep. right now. And then as soon as you wake up, you're just like, oh, there's nothing here. Just go back yeah. to sleep. I've probably woken up screaming like 30, 40 times because <laughs> that's just my instinct. And I fucking have scared so many ex-girlfriends where I'm just like <laughs> screaming in the middle of the night. Um, just having night terrors. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I've talked about this before on the show, but I lived in an apartment building in the projects maybe. And I talked about this on the Rare Candy podcast. I called in for the little Art Bell show where they did uh, mm. uh, ghost stories. And when I was nine or 10 years old, um, I saw a woman in the apartment we were living in walk from the kitchen to the living room while I was in the bathroom. I, I got some Pepsis. I had to take a piss. Nine or 10 years old. And I immediately thought it was my aunt who was babysitting me at the time. And it was not my aunt. She was on the phone in the backyard the, the whole time with my neighbor. And when I came around, I was like, were you just in the house? There's someone in the house. She thought I was scaring the neighbor because I would tell him fake fucking horror <laughs> stories of like Pennywise the clown yeah, and the exorcist. Yeah. She thought I was lying to spook him because he was like eight or seven years old and way more sensitive. And you and, were 17. Uh, <laughs> yes, I was 31. <laughs> um, and then finally she went in the house. Nobody was there. We looked in the closets under the bed. Nobody was there. And at this same apartment, we had a basement where you, you had to go outside and you would go down, but you could hear everything in the basement. Like if someone was running laundry or something, you could hear it through the floor. Mm -hmm. We had a pool table in the basement and it was always 
all the pool balls were always in the triangle, but you would hear the pool balls going across the table like somebody was playing pool. And these two things happened. Uh, that one thing happened to me when I was nine or ten. One off, never happened, and nothing like that ever happened again in my entire life. The pool balls would be a very occasional thing where if I was home alone, you'd hear it. Other people would hear it too if they were home alone. And it was just this this thing. And um, come to find out, and I believe this was confirmed, a teenage girl had killed herself in the bathroom of that apartment. We found out later on. Oh, fuck. So, okay. So d- did anyone even play pool? It was yeah. our pool table. You know, it, it was like, all right, so I'm going to play pool with my friends. Like, it didn't come with the apartment or anything. We brought oh, okay. the pool table. So it wasn't like an imprint. You know, I think a lot of the paranormal shit is literally just like, very strong energy imprints that are are there but it was our pool table no yeah, one was playing pool it. in the basement <laughs> yeah and like we're in the projects this is the fucking ghetto for quincy massachusetts nobody's bringing a pool table and bring putting it in the basement so no i, I don't think it was that um i don't know but that's the, the the only time that place any anywhere else i've lived never had a paranormal experience except actually shooting omega fish i don't think this is paranormal i just think it was weird fucking circuitry um the room i was staying in what happened who died no nobody (laughs) you can see a little girl in a dress on the window (laughs) (laughs) um yeah there's a midget hanging himself in the background of omega fish corp episode two uh so our bud dwyer shooting himself in the background at the uh brooklyn production house that we were staying at everybody had a room it was a pretty big place too um my bedroom which was the only room with the ac of course i claim that uh <laughs> especially after doing mass state lottery words you and me sharing a couch and then fucking what was the second oh yeah i was sleeping on the couch the second time too i was like no, yeah. I'm, I'm getting a bed for this one uh I, I, the lights of the room went on by themselves three times one night and i got up turned them off my door shut completely pitch dark otherwise three times the and i wasn't even like asleep or anything three times the lights went on by itself i think it was just circuitry i didn't get any haunted vibes from the brooklyn production house but you never know that's the the last weird thing that's happened yeah no i don't thankfully i don't know i'm i kind of believe and don't believe at the same time so yeah i'm I'm glad i've i've as far as i'm concerned i've seen a fucking ghost and i still have like this i don't know if there's anything going on you know because it's just i don't know uh it's hard to rationalize that with any sort of like logical thought yeah it's it almost like exists outside of that my my girl went to Malaysia like four years ago because work sent her there. She was a trainer, so she was to train a new site that they opened in Malaysia. And she was staying in a hotel and she had the typical YouTube creepy video experience where the door would just close. The faucet in the bathroom would just open in the middle of the night for no reason. And then she would ask to get changed to a different room. And same shit would happen just like a fucking haunted malaysian hotel oh, no it's like how how would i would not i would be like no every night i'll be like Poop, happened again get me out of this shit can you can't deal with it mm-hmm. like how would you sleep knowing that there's a thing for sure in there with you i'm uh. yeah that, again, that's not just haunted hotel that's hey there's the ghost here and it yeah. likes you it wants yeah. you it's a pervert guest that died here and is probably yeah, he following want, you around he wants you to come to the bathroom <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Um, a Malaysian you... ghost. That sounds fucking terrifying. That sounds very. That sounds worse than the Grudge because at least like a Japanese ghost would probably be polite and well mannered, not gross. Like a Malaysian yeah, just... ghost probably like clips their toenails and Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, and it'd be nasty. Yeah. The only thing about the Japanese point is they would just leave long black hairs everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, have you paid attention to any news or anything that's going on with movies? I think the Blue Beetle movie came out. Did you watch that? Oh, I was first in line for Blue Beetle. <laughs> Blue Beetle's always been my favorite superhero. I love that he's Latinx. Now, yeah. he wasn't always. He converted, you know, I guess. Uh, oh, really? George Lopez. I, I don't know that. Yeah. Yeah, it was... A, it was all, all those superheroes are originally white guys created in 1940. And then they go, hmm, this one's expendable. All right, let's make him Latin. Let's make this one black. He's got a Chinese Adam. Okay. I just love that whenever you make someone ethnic, all you have to do is just give them a very extensive but loving family. And that's how you know that they're not American. Mm-hmm. They did that with the what Captain Marvel show. I didn't watch it, but I know that there was a lot of like family stuff there with like her parents and like how they wouldn't let her do things or whatever. And here you watch the trailer and it's like, oh, mi abuela. And like my George Lopez is my goofy uncle. And everyone, you know, like everything has to be a large loving but large family and everyone's just a little bit goofy that's how you know they're you know latinx Mm because latin american people you know even though i grew up with having classmates that had no dad most of them but you know everyone has an extensive loving family in in every media because you have to do it like that like coco right that's right well it would it would only really ring true i think if george lopez had a 12 year old girlfriend who was probably oh. his niece, you know, that, that would be probably yeah. the best way to go about that with blue beetle. Uh, this, no one's seeing this movie. They're saying, Oh, it's gonna, it's on track to make $20 million this week. It ain't making shit. It'll make, uh, it'll probably make like $4,000. That's my guess. I don't know, but it, honestly it could, here's the thing. I want to see a tank so bad. Cause it looks like shit. It looks like steel, the Shaquille yeah. O'Neal movie. Yeah. It, it feels like not like a real movie at all. Um, but who goes to the movies in America? It's Latin families. So it could it could potentially do well, and that would be disastrous. Although on the flip side, if it did do well, it kind of it takes a little pickaxe to James Gunn and his plan. Because I think everybody was banking on at a certain point they did realize the flash is not gonna make money. And that's mm-hmm. when Andy Muschietti started saying, if we do a sequel. Of course, Ezra Miller is going to come back because he knew there was never going to be no. a sequel. Yeah. Um, Black Adam and uh, not Captain Shazam. Marvel. Shazam 2. That was the original Captain Marvel. Shazam 2, they knew. They were like, all right, dead on arrival. Fuck it. Who cares? We know these are going to bomb. And then same thing with The Flash after a certain point when all like, oh, Tom Cruise requested a private screening <laughs> of The Flash. He said it's the best movie of the year. Uh, when they knew that didn't work or wasn't going to work, uh, okay, Blue Beetle, this is the next one, Dead on Arrival. But well, if wasn't, it isn't, yeah. Wasn't what's-his-name Levi begging people on Twitter to go see Shazam 2? Yep, I think he went yeah. on Joe Rogan and everything, trying to get the word out on that Shazam sequel, and I watched it. I don't know why I watched it. That deserved a bomb. That sucked. Black Adam, I haven't seen Black Adam. I'll probably mm-hmm. never see Black Adam. I'll definitely never see Blue Beetle. Are you going to see Blue Beetle? No. No, but I, I think there's a 
I mean, I don't know how much money the second Black Panther movie made. I don't know if it made more than the the first one, but that movie, uh, at least here in Latin America, they were banking on it as like the the Latin American anti-hero, right? With a name mm-hmm. where they changed everything about it. And I saw a lot of people talking positively about it just because he was Mexican. So it's like, oh, finally we're included or whatever. But I'm not sure if that movie was a big success. Uh I don't think so. I mean, I I think it was very successful. I don't know about the Latin American audience. It was certainly very successful. It certainly was not the same numbers as that first one, I think. So I shouldn't have said certainly multiple times, but I think it was not nearly on the same tier. Oh, well, okay. So the first one made 700 million uh, domestically, 646 internationally for a total of 1,346,000. And the second one made 859 million worldwide. Wow. So wow. it was without Black Panther. The Black yeah. Panther movie without the star. Did so it better. made it. No, no, no. It did worse. Oh, it did worse. Yeah, yeah. Like 500 million less. Oh, than the I first thought you said one. it was 800. The first one had 700 million. The second one had 800 million. No, no. Well. It's just because I read the domestic. And so the second one domestically only made 450 million as opposed to 700. And internationally, only 400 million, 405, as, oh. as opposed to the first one that made 646. So even with that branding, even with, I mean, Latin American people supporting it because it was the first one, it's just, you can make a movie that's called Black Panther and not have Black Panther. Why would anyone care? Especially if you're trying to, like, switch to the new generation. Who's the new generation? Oh, his sister. His like, oh. old wife. His fucking <laughs> 60-year-old wife and her daughter, I guess. I don't, I don't know. Uh, Disney's plan. I mean, look, we shouldn't even be talking about Marvel yeah. and Disney, but it's good to see that Disney is spiraling. And I think they were there was talks very briefly that they were going to start selling off some of their franchises, which is good. Great news, um, yeah, yeah, that's fantastic news because it just seems like they don't know what to do. Even their Snow White movie, it's like, oh, the prince was a stalker in the original, and we have uh, seven normal, six normal sized people and one actual dwarf. And they're all multicultural, and Snow White is actually and, Guatemalan. And there's no hero that saves her. She saves herself. Of course. Right? There's no, because, you know, uh, grabbing stories that came out a thousand years ago and adjusting them to modern sensitivities always works. <laughs> so, whoa, Hans, you're trans? Sorry, we just took a quick piss break there. Hans, was you were saying something about trans right before uh, we hit record again. The trains. I'm autistic. Oh, yes. You were showing your train collection to me. I got that con- confused. I'm sorry. Yeah, I have like, the, you know, the Beetlejuice marionette from the movie Beetlejuice, but it's, a, it's trains. It's only trains. I don't remember a Beetlejuice marionette. I think you're confusing that with Nightmare on Elm Street 3. No, no, no. Well, it's not a marionette. It's like, her, her, um, what's her name? Oh, the, the, you're <laughs> El, talking about Elmira. the model set. Yeah, yeah, the model set. Elmira. That's not her name. What's her name? Uh, Winona <laughs> Ryder. Sylvia, Cynthia. Sylvia Plath. Uh, Sylvia, Sylvia Brown. Did you ever watch Psychics, TV Psychics? Yeah. Sylvia I mean, Brown I mean, was a notorious one in the 90s. I think I was more aware of her for every time she went to like Ricky Lake. 
and mm-hmm. those shows where she would just show up and like do her thing she had that haircut right where it's just like a like a watermelon that you cut in half yeah she looked like a dive bar patron she looked like somebody who would just sit at the fucking bar all day long and then she would show up on these talk shows and go oh your your father's uh dead and he wanted to say he loves you (laughs) okay great um give her give her her check for six thousand dollars for this appearance on the tyra Banks show wasn't there a long island medium that was almost like the very end of it the current one the one that's currently active right now is i think his name's tyler henry and he's just a young gay liar he's just a young macaulay Culkin looking gay man who says oh yes he sat down i think with corey feldman as a matter of fact you should pull that up he sat What's down with name? corey feldman tyler henry he said oh corey hames said he forgives you <laughs> or something like that he said take the pedophiles down that's what Corey Haim said from beyond the grave Tyler Henry Tyler Henry. Oh, the only clip I can find is from E online I don't know if I'm going to be able to play that that's what uh network his show is on there's nothing on YouTube uh oh just found it hold on yeah so Tyler Henry is my mom has always been obsessed with these TV psychics since John Edward crossing over with John Edward <laughs> and Tyler Henry is just the, the latest incarnation of this. Let's let's watch this. Tyler Henry shocks Corey Feldman with spot on reading. Well, he's incentivized to say that, isn't he? Okay, we we are not getting any audio here. Oh shit! Really? See, I, yeah, see, I always do. <laughs> yeah, it looks like two mannequins talking to each other. <laughs> Okay, here we go. go. Take two. I like the wallpaper, by the way. Is that like a Nazi jacket? That's Michael Jackson's jacket. That's Lou Bega's hat. (laughs) Why is that hat so fucked up? (laughs) Why has he just been pulling from every side of the hat? Look at that. It looks like a scarecrow. (laughs) Did you see that Corey Feldman recently announced he was leaving his wife, who's like battling cancer or something? He was like, in spite of her illness, I have to go on tour. And she's she's my biggest support system. And he's he's leaving her while she's like dying. Well, she's not gonna be singing with him. I guess one of Corey's angels will be absent from the stage. She'll be in heaven. I knew Corey was gonna come through. I love Corey Haim, miss him so much. Love the two Corys. Hang in there, Corey. We love you. <laughs> what happened here that <laughs> need to let's see. All right, let's watch this. This is only a minute long. Wait, so he's touching he's touching a jacket mm-hmm. and then telling Corey what he feels, right? That's right. Oh, funny enough, when I'm holding on to this, I have to talk about the two brothers, but like, do you know if he had a brother? Yep. Okay. And then there's a he reference. Had two brothers. Okay, cool. I have to talk about one of them. Um, mm-hmm. Go back and check with his family and see if they had like a very defining feature on the face. A nose. That would have been like either a birthmark <laughs> or like a, eyebrows. A, either a large scar, a birthmark, or some like thing on thing the skin. On the face. On the okay. face. Yeah. Do you know of anyone who dealt with like skin abnormality? Like, like a skin abnormality on their head or face, like either a birthmark. I don't know. There's a oh wow! It's Michael Jackson yes. talking like, to you. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's crazy. Okay, where would that fit? 
He had three brothers. Okay. Why did you say two? Ah. There was brother Al, who I believe was his older brother. Okay. And Al had a birthmark on his head. Okay. So that's interesting. How would you know that? I would not know anything (laughs) about your brother's fucking head. Corey's a liar. One of these Corey's is lying and one of them is dead. Well, at first he says two brothers and then, oh, he said he had a mole. So it's like, oh, you know what? I just remember mole brother. Was brother number three so mm-hmm. yes this is this is not this is such bullshit and also you can tell when this guy is coming up with whatever it is is coming up he's like hmm so i i'm seeing it's like no you're not this is such bullshit all right let's see brother, where it takes it know that that's birthmark on his head okay so that's interesting i feel like that's their way of reminding like hey there's another brother uh-huh. hey remember that gross <laughs> mark on your head <laughs> hey do you want to remember your brother or you forget about him think about a mole just disgusting mole oh yeah that's brother hey remember your dead cousin's back knee and everyone made fun of him at the swimming hole because his back was so gross and ugly hey that's the ghost coming through to talk to you yeah, he wants to remind you how gross the brother that you didn't remember was. When is it? What year is this? Because Corey looks the healthiest he's looked in a while, and he still looks like a wooden puppet. Six years ago, it says. Oh man, Corey! All right, let's let's see how this Alan. concludes. Crazy! I had totally forgot about his brother Alan, and then I remember he had kind of that big brown spot in the middle of his forehead, and I went, "Ah, that's it." That was a crazy one because there's no way anybody would have known that. Nobody. Wait. Well, you said the middle of his forehead, and you were pointing up here. Uh, I think I think you're wrong. Let's see Al Haim. What's going on with Al Haim these days? Okay. Well, you would think. Uh, uh, this is Al. Harsh. We got Corey Feldman, uh, Corey Haim, excuse me, from the 1980s, and then Corey Haim at like. Yeah, no, Al Haim is not a thing. Yeah, <laughs> I'll just search for Al Haim. Really people. Oh, yeah. What I don't is think this Al- Arab meme of the Pink Panther? Uh, okay. Yeah, I think this is just bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Al Haim ever existed. There's a reason Corey's mom is not on speaking terms with Feldman anymore. So that's Tyler Henry. He's the latest sensation, the newest, hippest, coolest sensation. What do you think about Billy? What's his name? Billy Carter? Who's the black Billy who's very feminine? Being like, I got starved out of my home. What? Billy Eichner? <laughs> I wish. Fuck I Billy know. Eichner. Um, no, he's, Whoa, uh, he's a black guy. What's the... What's the he's just obnoxious. I just don't like him. He's one of those like aggressive gay guys. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's kind of like okay, all right, we we understand. We can like see very it. bad attitude, like very thinly veiled beneath the surface. You can still see it. It just yeah. casual actions of the way he talks about people or talks to people. No, it's the guy who played the fairy godmother in that Amazon Cinderella movie. Oh, fucking! <laughs> I don't know. Billy Porter. Uh, I don't oh, know. Oh, very colorful. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember. I think you shared a picture in the group chat of his, uh, was it red carpet, I think, or something? Yep. One of his outfits? I don't know. But now he's the first Hollywood celebrity. Yeah, that's Billy Porter. <laughs> that's him. The first Hollywood celebrity what? 
he is saying, oh, the, the strikes have made me lose my home. I've been starved out of my home. It's just like, eh, because you're bad with money. I'm sorry, yeah. if you're an Amazon Cinderella, you should be good for at least about a year and a half, two years. I'm, and you're one of the top billed people of that. You should be fine. That's not the strike's fault. That's your fault. What else has he... Uh, he's in the Proud Family remake. <laughs> that's that's cool. Why would the strike affect him? What because what he's show? bad with money. Because he's uh, spending all of his paychecks on poppers and going out to the hottest nightclub in Los Angeles, California. That's why. Oh, and the Godmother is called Fabulous Godmother. That's the name of the character. Um, yeah, is that strike still going? It's still going, and it's going strong. They are not gonna. I think SAG has started to realize that they're gonna lose because now they're starting to make conveniences. And it's like Adam Driver, you can go promote Ferrari, or <laughs> or they're starting to like branch into other stuff now too. Be like things that only a loser or like the the losing argument maker would pick up, like. And you know what? Reality TV performers deserve their 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 occasional checks as well. You yeah. know, they should be paid monthly for appearing on Flavor of Love season two, episode three and six. She's like, that's never happening. That will yeah. never happen. You can't even you can, we've we've talked about this already because the strike's been going for a while. But there's no way to properly break down. When someone clicks on a Netflix show and watches one episode for five seconds or 10 minutes and like marking that as one view versus, um, you know, dishing that out as a paycheck to somebody, because yeah. then they're going to say, all right, well, actually, you have to watch at least 50 minutes of the 60 minute show in order to get paid. And then all the Netflix shows are going to be like, yeah, we only got 2000 views for this show. We did well, not get 200 million. That's the thing. They want to do it like TV residuals when that was a thing, right? Mm -hmm. Where you would go into syndication and make a bunch of money. But that whole thing has changed completely. So you can't really measure how many TVs are, you know, tuning in for the entirety of your show or how many, like you, you can't, or I don't know if they do, but I don't think anyone's, any channel from overseas is purchasing Netflix shows because they can just log into Netflix, right? The thing with shows like Seinfeld is that channels from all over the world will translate the show and just purchase the rights to it so that they can rebroadcast it, right? But all you need now is just go to Netflix.com and then there you have the subtitles that you need to watch it. So why would, yeah, that doesn't, doesn't make any sense. It's also a lot of actors just pulling up how little money they've made from like really bad stuff they've done years ago. And it's like, mm -hmm. okay, well, you got paid. I, I, you know, when we were just doing DC's show, I mentioned that Suits was like the most streamed program or something like that. And I only knew about that because a writer for an episode on season four was whining that they only got paid $230 on their residual check last month or like for the last quarter. And it's like that episode you wrote from yeah. what, 2012, you only got $200 for, for like that period of time. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I feel real <laughs> bad for you, especially after the fucking, the whole, and we're not going to get too deep into this, but like the whole COVID shutdown and everything and people losing yep. their jobs and their, like everything. We're supposed to fucking care that these actors and these Hollywood writers 
are losing money, uh, sorry, it's not going to fly that way, especially when you're producing shit. It's not yeah. fucking 1975, you know, we're watching Midnight Cowboy on the fucking television. No, that's not what the, what, what's happening here. Uh, there's very worthless content that's being mass produced and people aren't getting paid more than a couple of dollars for it and deservingly so. Yeah, it's not a Vince Gilligan show or a David Simon show that was huge uh, in the early 2000s mm -hmm. that, you know, no, it's Is It Cake? Or is it cake two T O O? You know, is that type of entertainment where they they think they're supposed to be paid a lot more for stuff that just plays on your TV and nobody watches? You know, if it's just whatever plays next on Netflix when I fell asleep, yeah, pay me for that. I I I don't like. They're definitely not gonna get what they want. So at the end of the day, either I don't honestly, I don't even know how SAG is still a thing uh, because it's like a you know, forcing you to pay how much is that you have to pay to get the you gotta thing? pay ten thousand up front. The thing with SAG, and I'm not necessarily against the idea of unions because I like the idea of having an unemployment resource when mm. you know, between gigs. Um, but they're so aggressive and threatening with the actors. Like I'll give you an example right now. Uh we had Betsy Brown for Omega Fish Corp, and she was gonna be one of the leads. And that was the thing that was going to happen. And her reasoning for bowing out of Omega Fish Corp at the very last minute was that these strikes were going to happen. And she's union. She doesn't want to fuck with things or she's, she's going to toe the party line because they're going to they, – they will threaten to hinder your employment going forward as soon as the strike is over if you choose to play ball outside of the union, non-union setup. And we've had that be an issue also with other actresses who have, um, you know, been discussed for that role as well. And some other roles for Omega Fish Corp. People are worried that the union is going to fuck them over or remember it if they choose to take on one of these non-union projects, which I think is stupid as fuck and silly. Yeah. And no one's going to keep a list of those things. Like you're not Brian Cranston, who's at the front of the line talking and giving a speech. And then, oh, is he going to go do this non-union New York City project? No, he's not, you know, but like that would be remembered. Some yeah. low level um, celebrity is not going to be on a list, uh, blacklisted like it's the 19 fucking 50s. It's not happening. Also, doesn't that go against everything that she supposedly stands for, right? Very, like, I don't whole... know, Hans. I don't, I listen, I, you know, people, people, I don't know. Like it's, that's it, the that's I, the image, right? Like that's what we're supposed to be buying when we see their stuff. And then, so which one is it? Mm -hmm. Do you wanna you wanna do a Dasha thing where you start with uh, no, I'm just an online personality person, but I'm now I'm a succession. Now I'm on other things. Now I'm this person, you know? Or are you the weirdo that's always naked and eating shit in your movies? Like you can't be both. You know what I mean? Well, look, I I like I like Betsy's work. I think she's a very talented actress. But goddamn, did that piss me and g the fuck <laughs> off yeah so that's why it's, this is being brought up on the show right now. yeah but because it's just very inconsistent i'm not surprised again actors you, you fine go get your your money i understand that but don't try to sell me that you're an alternative to the system and then not work because this is you're afraid of the system so we, which one is it then you know right you're i i, I think you know, you can you can exist in both worlds, but I think you do have to have that mentality when you are choosing to work. 
Uh, and if that's not what the actual issue is, then I don't know, come up with a better one. Wow. Anyway, we'll, we'll move on from that. I, I think these are going to go on until fall or uh, winter. A lot of the networks have certainly positioned themselves to be prepared for that with reality TV programming and things of that matter to replace what their fall block would be if they didn't finish shooting XYZ shows or didn't even start. I know Blue Bloods is probably good until December. And then once that, that period ends, then people are going to be sweating a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's going to carry on. And then eventually SAG and the Writers Guild are going to go, oh, we're losing this one. This isn't uh, 2008 or whenever the last one was where they were able to win, I think, within a couple of months. Hmm. You know, it's, um, it's been what now? How many months? It's been a while. It's been a while. I feel like the, the actor's strike, at least, was going on around the last time that you and I recorded a show. And the, the writers, oh no, the writers striked it. And then SAG just started maybe about a month ago. Yeah, July 14th is the SAG one. Uh, the writers strike on May 2nd. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. I don't think they're going to, I don't think they. There's, there's no way. There's no way for them to do that without the streaming services cutting down <clears throat> the amount of content that is produced by about 80%. Because there's going to be a lot of scabs available. I'll take a job with Netflix. I'll take yeah. a job with Hulu. You want me to write your show? Give me a paycheck. I'll be there. It'll be on. And uh, it'll probably be better. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, do you want shitty quality or do you want me to try? Because I cannot try and give you the same stuff you're getting from mm -hmm. these people. And I guess that's the thing that um, worst case scenario, let's say, they would just find alternative people to do it. Right. I think what we're looking at is that the industry might be undergoing a significant change uh, if they choose to dig their heels in the mud. Otherwise, what is what is the alternative here? Is the collapse of these unions? Could that be something that's on the table? I mean, it's kind of far-fetched, right? But it's not impossible. I mean, at yeah. some point, they're going to have to buckle, and that'll be that. But imagine if they don't all that tough talk and then you don't come through with anything well mm -hmm. th there's also a big difference with when the previous uh strike was and they won and that's that you don't need to be in the system to make things anymore yeah so you, you don't need an agent you don't need a uh backing from a giant corporation or a big company now you can just make movies in your house and put them out on the internet and so how do you stop that do you also put restrictions on them? What if they don't even want to become part of the system? And they're just like, I'm just making things that I like for people that like them. And that's it. So that's the blind spot, I think that, well, I'm sure they've thought about it. I don't want to say I'm sure they've thought about everything, but I feel like that's a blind spot that maybe they're not considering. The fact that there's more people making movies now than ever before in history because of how easy it is to just one of these and this is a camera that's better than anything that's you know came up back in the day when they were making cameras so, uh, and it's in the in your pocket and you can make whatever put it on the internet and people will watch it so mm -hmm. why would they yeah why would they just give in when they have what do they have to lose really hold hold on for as long as you can uh and and just you know sooner or later like uh what was the text that was leaked of someone being like, we're going to hold it until they can't pay their rent anymore or something. They become desperate. You know what? It's a piece of shit thing to say, 
but you know you're striking so it's like all right if that's how you're gonna play it then let's keep it going until we'll just we'll play reruns and we won't pay anything for those for mm -hmm. those you know things they're just there we're fine we won't create anything new what are you gonna do that's the thing right that's the blind spot that i i think that's the arrogance of not even thinking or thinking that they're in control or on top when it's like well you're part of the system and you're trying to up the system I, I don't know. I don't know if that's the right strategy. Well, there's a, there's a lot of this false moralism of like, oh, we're inherently the good side here. We're the good guy. You're starving us. But yeah. nobody's entitled to a comfortable career in entertainment. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Why don't you explain that to like people in a village in the fucking Middle East where one of those uh, towns or cities got bombed out? You know, mm -hmm. why, why don't you explain that to them that this is an important, urgent matter? It's like, no, you're you're trivial. Like, go go work as a fucking, as a, like a, like, I don't know, go work in an office, go pick up a phone, go work in sales, yeah, go be a telemarketer, go. use those skills to sell cars or something. You fucking loser. Yeah. Go um, be a waiter again. <laughs> yes. Back to waiting. Again. Where's my yeah, nachos? Yeah. Because that's the, that's the thing. Uh, again, you're part of the system that you're trying to go against. And at the end of the day, the people that make the decisions are people that are super rich on top, you know, all of these producers, all these people in charge of the companies that have monopolized the industry. Mm -hmm. Do you think they care if they're the bad guys? David Zasloff, who runs Warner Brothers Discovery, was bragging that they saved like two, I think it was like $200 million in the last quarter because of the strikes, because of not having to pay these people. Right. So you're going against the morality of people that use these giant companies to buy smaller companies and not do anything with them. They just, yeah, that's like going against Walmart and being like, how, how dare you give yeah, me what I want? It's like, no. it's not a game you can win. The only way to win is for allowing that to self implode and and destroy itself like disney taking all these big swings for example just to rewind a little bit you'll never compete with disney something the size of disney that owns all of these franchises the only competition for disney is disney yeah and as soon as as soon as the level of quality goes down and you stop showing up to the theater you stop caring you don't subscribe to disney plus anymore that's when things are going to fall apart because even though like yeah like let's say xyz movies star wars or something cost almost a billion dollars to make and market and they they have to do twice that money to just break even mm. making those sorts of decisions will eventually cause a collapse because they're not going to be able to, to sustain that so long as that the product is alienating the audience that it was originally intended for as long as they continue to skew that in one direction they keep repeating the same formula yeah it's going to be a downward trend and you just have to wait for that and once that happens Things like A24 or whatever might start popping up here and there, and it's new opportunities, it's new businesses, new you know, a, a new venue to go down. Um, and until then, you just kind of have to suck it up and deal. Yeah. And again, we're talking about a business, right? It's all about money. So whatever moralism you're trying to... And also, yeah, hey... I'm going to convince you to pay me more money by me shitting on you as much as I can and telling everyone how bad of a person you are for not paying me my money. That's that, that that'll work. Yeah. Yeah. That, you take the Ron Perlman <laughs> approach where he's like yeah. threatening to kill Bob Iger in a video. Yeah. He's like, yeah, you know what? Bob Iger is going to come out and be like, Hellboy, what do you want? 
anything you want. I'm afraid of you, actor. Again. Uh oh, he called me a motherfucker three times. I better (laughs) I better really think about this. You know, it does remind me though. It makes me think back to the days of SNCC before they injected the woke social justice narrative into Pete and Pete and Pete had like a fake vagina and tits he was wearing on the set. What was your favorite SNCC show? What SNCC? Is that Saturdays? Saturday Night Nick. SNCC. Oh, oof, I don't know. I don't think we got the same blocks on my Latin American. You don't think we got the same blocks? for SNCC? That would be shocking if that was the case. Did you have TGIF? Actually, I you think... probably didn't have ABC, right? You didn't have no. ABC. All right, so ignore that. SNCC. SNCC's a cable network. SNCC Latin oh. America? No, I don't think that. We just have Nickelodeon. It wasn't SNCC. SNCC was, well, it was just a night block. It was like Adult Swim, basically, but it was kid shows, Saturday okay, night. Okay, well, there's a list here. All that, Keenan and Kel, Clarissa. I don't know what Roundhouse is. Are You Afraid of the Dark? Kablam. Hey, dog. Dude. The Dude Ranch Show. The what? Hey, Dude. You didn't ever see Hey, Dude. No, Salute no. Your Shorts. That doesn't, no, that was before we got it, I think. Whoa, that and okay. I think all that was right around the time when we got Nickelodeon over here. So Angry Beavers, you know, Alex Mack, all of those shows. I watch uh, Pete and Pete. I think, I don't know. I, I like Kablam a lot, but it was just because it was just like very short sketches, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Rocco. Was the the one that I would watch the Was most Rocco before. part of Snick? I don't know. I think maybe Ren and Stimpy, Rocco. Ren and Stimpy. Are you afraid of the dark? Animorphs. Angry Beavers. Animorphs. That wasn't even an original Nickelodeon series. It says here from nineteen eighty eight to nineteen ninety eight to ninety nine, November through February. It was nine thirty. Animorphs. Damn. Nick Cannon show. Holy shit. Oh, that was really that's where it ended for me. <laughs> Yeah, no, when they did that s- and cousin Skeeter and brothers Garcia, that was that was the end of that. Cousin Skeeter was was that a side or like a? He was a puppet. But who's Garcia? The brothers Garcia. It was about three Latin brothers. They actually just did a sequel on HBO Max for like the three people who remembered that show. Wow. Yeah. No, that doesn't. No. Uh, was Ghost Rider Nickelodeon? Ghost Rider was PBS. Okay, I think we got we got it at like the Discovery Kids channel over here. Oh Ghost yeah, Rider. there was that too. That was like geared towards very little kids. That yeah, was, it was a little little kid block. I never watched that. I w- I would watch oh. the Learning Channel, but that was a channel, not a block. Discovery Kids. Yeah, I guess so. I, I yeah. don't, there was nothing really childish about the Learning Channel, but I feel like they might have had some young shows on there. What TLC? Yeah. Just horrible fat children and shows and I feel like there was a there was a show where they taught you how to make glue. There's something like that that I used to watch when I was like five or six years old. Like Art Attack? No, it was just, it was just like you gotta mix the glue. Here's the paste. <laughs> now mix mix and mix. It was it right. was something along those lines. Yeah, no, we didn't get a snake, we just got Nickelodeon. Well, I yeah. think that's the end of the episode, then. You don't have an answer. So, Brothers no. Garcia it is. Yeah. Latin American Cut. response to Snick. Cousin Skeet. That's my favorite. 
I think Smart cousin guy. Skeeter got arrested for something, something bad, like carjacking. I think he committed a Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> that episode was pretty dark. I think that was the abrupt finale. They planned it for another season. It was a two-parter, but they never got that extra season. Ah, oh, so he just got arrested as a twelve-year-old. <laughs> yep. They said he was dehydrated and not thinking straight, and that yeah. did not fly in court. The judge said six to twelve years. Yeah, he he uh, he punched an older Asian lady with a knockout game in New York and got arrested. <laughs> Skeeter's knockout <laughs> yeah. game. Damn, that's the adult HBO Max reboot of Cousin yeah. Skeeter. Right, Christopher after. Nolan's Cousin, Cousin Skeeter. Skeeter. <laughs> Man, if there's, right, we'll close out the show in a second. But if there's one thing that I really it gets under my skin. It's all these conservative commentators being like, Christopher Nolan's our guy. Christopher Nolan, best director right now because, you know, Dark Knight Rises was about how Antifa is bad or something mm -hmm. or things mm -hmm. fall apart. Joker was an anarchist, you know, he's probably crypto conservative, but voted for Biden, one of those guys. <sighs> yeah. It's, it's so exhausting to see people trying to validate their political leanings with media that is not designed for that just because of an idea that they made in their own head about what is not actually happening because mm -hmm. i can imagine i don't know i i don't think i've ever seen a christopher nolan interview but i can imagine him being you know typical hollywood director not very outspoken about any of that stuff and if he's outspoken about it is you know leaning one side but it's like that song, right? That song that's going, that everyone's going crazy on Twitter because they're like, oh, this is a real patriot. This is a real hero that's singing about the heart of the country and how America is united and how this makes you feel. It's like, it's just a shitty country song. <laughs> like, all right. Oh, like, the, the Oliver Anthony thing is so <laughs> artificially inflated here. Clearly, you know, I thought we all got on the same page around Coney 2012 when it was like, there's other people with this interest in mind that are pushing this to the top of the heap to have people talk about it. Very clever marketing ploy. The song is whatever. Like I, I'm not, I'm not in your camp where I think it's shit. I think it's fine, but it's not it's, like no one's gonna be playing this on the radio for fucking. It's not an earworm like Lou Bega, you know. It's not Mambo Number no. Five. It's not Baja <laughs> Men who let the dogs out. This is just another thing where it's like the conservatives are taking back the culture. Uh, and it's like no, they're not. <laughs> Remember Joy Via and her fucking MAGA dress she wore to the Grammys and then got sent home. What name yeah. one song of hers? Where's Tim Cass band? Where are those songs oh, he put yeah. out where, he, yeah, where there yeah, were news yeah. anchors that were his cast and crew on his podcast? You know, where, what, who's listening to that? Sound of well, Freedom? So, Will people be tuning into Sound of Freedom a year from now? Or was that just a talking point of the moment because it, it has Jim Caviezel? It's also so transparent what they're trying to do because every person that retweets it has to retweet it with their own poem about how they felt and how they kissed the flag after listening to his song. It's like, shut up. Wow. Can you believe he mentioned Epstein's Island in the song? <laughs> oh, God. Wow. I, he's really on the cutting edge here. He's, you know, really ticking off those elites. I'm sure Bill Gates listened to that and fucking it ruined his day.
it's like see conservatives there is a space for space for us in media we need to do more uh, our son hunter type movies because right-wing media is great it's like it's it's whatever it's fine i it, it's the the just they're trying to create something that's not there it's a it's an okay song okay but the fact that they're trying to pretend that there's a movement behind it and this is going to awake a lot of people because no one's ever made a country song i guess i yeah it's just what it's what, so is, what is the space for conservative media because did you see where he was performing it looked like someone's backyard <laughs> and there were three malnourished dogs is that the space for conservative media the the reason why it will never take off is because they're too aligned with whatever message they're trying to fucking correct the culture with it's yeah. like ah yeah yeah there's fat people on welfare taking up the you know, money and there's soldiers dying it's like I don't fucking care. Yeah. Play your stupid dumb song. Go talk about talk about like how your girlfriend's cheating on you or something. Like go fucking concentrate on something else. And if you happen to be a Republican as well, cool. Yeah. You know what? That works for Vincent Gallo. Vincent Gallo's movies are not about culture. They're about his fucking cuckold hangups. You're seemingly, uh, <laughs> and he's still the cool guy yeah. at sixty years old, taking in. 19 year old creepy goth girls from the, well, from the you crowd. Don't, you don't really need to do the same thing that the site you complain about does because you were supposed to like they pretend that they don't like when the other side does it but that mm. gives them the right to do it themselves and it's like, yeah so they their their concern is misplaced where they think like okay we you know it's not just that you know uh that this is bad here and a lot of time it is just as simple as oh they didn't write this well this is very shoehorned they think the reason why this is bad and this comes back to ben shapiro's argument against barbie the reason why this is bad is because the argument or the belief system is bad and if we present that alternative that'll attract people and that'll be good but it's just like no like the fact there's a present message here to begin with yeah, that is so obvious and very right now. That is what's bad, and they they can't seem to detach from that idea. Like Ben Shapiro explained why Barbie is bad because it doesn't articulate feminism in a coherent way. I was like, isn't that good for you? Isn't that great for your side? Why is that? Why, why does that make that bad? You know, like the fact that any of that does not make the most sense. It's not the most rational or logical. Fucking one, two, three, four. Uh, string of conclusions it's just that movie's just a vibe you're going into barbie land and it's a vibe and yeah. that's why it's enjoyable and he can't seem to like understand that people don't get primary enjoyment from sense the yeah. sense of it you know and they'll continue to fail on that end until well, they that's don't that's why the media they produce it's so low level in quality and then all they do is complain about how well of course we're not gonna be as successful because we're going against it and it's like no no because you can go against it and make something good but you're just trying to do the same thing with a different flag on top of it so at the end of the day you have two turds that are just different colors uh -huh. great thanks for that do we really need to see two different color turds no so no you're not adding anything of value you're just trying to do the same thing you know slightly differently uh and yeah this song 
that video looks like yeah he's just playing the song for the withikers <laughs> you know, that, that family of of uh uh, inbred in West Virginia, where one of them just like barks. Have you seen that video? <laughs> yeah, I've I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. So anyway. that'll that'll be great when again he's forgotten in four days, and we're like, oh hey, remember that song? Remember that song was a thing for a moment. Oh, the the rich. only like right wing figures that have made it an authentic impact on culture are Kanye West, who's not like at the core right wing i think he's just provocative for the sake of being provocative but right now that's the shape it's taken and million dollar extreme that's yeah. it you get those two you kind of had roseanne for a half second before they took her off abc that left a little bit of a splash but honestly no these these two pillars right here that's it nothing else has mattered everything else is commentary commentary is worthless yeah yeah, I agree. I was going to say J.K. Rowling, but I don't think she's even concerned. No, 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 no. She's, no. she's very, you know, the yeah. people in the UK, they've boxed themselves in by going on to that. Like they, they were asking for it the whole time. <laughs> and, you know, that, that battle and why they can't make sense of it is their own doing. J.K. Rowling, she's someone who probably still votes for whatever the left party is in England, like Corbyn. And it's like, are you stupid? Like you're the target. You're you're the you're the person that is like we're united around you. Yeah, she just decided to not cave in, and instead mm -hmm. being like, "Well, no," and that's it. And, <laughs> and, 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 Elon Musk is another one too. Like you could make the argument for him, but he's not, he's got yeah. he's trying to prove something to himself, and it's gonna come at the cost of everything that he's acquired. Where like, oh yeah, I took Twitter. And now Twitter's a little bit more right-wing and the culture's a little bit more right-wing. And I've restored some sense of fairness to the platform. But, you know, then he'll do things like, uh, yeah, you know, I'm very, I'm very against Joe Biden, but I voted for Joe Biden. I don't know why I voted for Joe Biden. You know, oh, you know, I, I believe in freedom of speech, but we're going to put this woman in charge who used to work for Peacock, NBC, who believes in not allowing hate speech to gain the same reach. It's like, all right, well, the hate speech thing alone, yeah. that should tell you this is not going to work. Immediately, so yeah. you have a lot of people like that or Joe Rogan, where it's like his whole setup is like, yeah, I'm, a, I'm against what's happening here. Let me vote for Joe Jorgensen <laughs> or whatever the fuck worthless yeah. candidate has been quickly forgotten. Because he like, smokes weed. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's just like, okay, you had the balls to take it to nine. All you had to do was press it to 10. And you couldn't do it. You yeah. couldn't do that. And so guess what? It's a slope. It's a fast slope back. You didn't want to go all the way. You blew it. Um, which is a kind of a nihilistic end to this episode. <laughs> so why don't you say something very positive to enlighten people? Uh, uh, Omega Fish Corp, the most right wing show uh, that you'll see. Don't say <laughs> that. Please don't say that. That's something I'm very conscious of. The fact we have so many of those people in the mix on the show it's just like all right well at least we got betsy brown oh now it's just everyone online who's right wing yeah wow we got jack the perfume nationals we got salome we got ryan katsu rivera um okay who do we got that's not in in that realm of things hmm uh gmac <laughs> okay gmac's the token liberal no, no. Oh. What about what about uh what about uh Rusty Cage? Is he, is he a liberal? He's no. I mean, he he oh, actually wow. kind of. I, I I'm not telling tales out of school, 
uh he's not like a right-wing guy at all it seems like from my i didn't really talk to rusty too much when and we were staying at the same B&B and everything, but we just didn't really talk a whole lot. I was very in the zone and trying to make sure that things were staying on track because there were all these variables popping up. And it turned me into the, I don't know, I think whenever we're doing shoots, I become kind of antisocial in a way. Like I get very shut off to the socializing of the moment. I'm just like looking for problems and trying to make sure that issues are cauterized before they can break out. And I didn't really get to talk to Rusty too, too much. Um but from my understanding before I met him, I thought he was kind of right wing because he was very YouTube, you know, and everyone on YouTube is a certain way. But no, I wouldn't say he's right wing at all. Um, but I guess, you know, if you're someone who works for the New York Times, you're probably going to throw him in that bin yeah. anyway. You know, I mean, I'm sure we're thrown in that bin. And Nah, I don't think so, which is shocking, right? <laughs> you know, I, I think, honestly, people don't have that perception of us. I hope not, because I just uh, hate I hate both I hate both sides pretty much the same. Measure. I think you can take any episode of this show and easily make the case that we're right wing, but I've never I've never had anyone even assume that. Mm. Um, especially when politics come up or anything like that, nobody has ever assumed that the opinions expressed on this show are indicative of any sort of political beliefs. Well, because I, I think that to be part of those sites, you have to be completely all in and we make fun of whichever is shitty which is both so you know you can't be accepted on a camp if you're muffing or making fun of, of how ridiculous they are and we hit e either side so that's probably why i feel like i've been hitting the, the right or or big conservative ink uh much more than the left lately anyway because you want them to do better <laughs> as an alternative and they don't that's the thing. Yeah, you want an I, alternative. I, mean, you just, like, I, I you guess so. I think I think it's also just like I know what to expect from these yeah. people. Like they've let us know exactly where they stand and they're gonna dig themselves into the ground, continuing this cycle until they snap out of it, which sometimes it seems like they do snap out of it. Like the Barbie movie, I keep going back to Barbie, but it's I guess it's fresh on my mind. Maybe this is a retroactive Barbie show. I'll tell you though, also before, let me just side table this for a second. This this movie's podcast, there's going to be a sideshow. There's going to be a side program adjacent to movies that Hans does not even know about right now. <laughs> and here's what I'm thinking. And Hans, I'll pitch this off you. And this would be the pilot episode of this sideshow. Okay. I think every other episode of movies should be a different program entirely. As in, if we're not talking about movies, we're just talking. Because that's it. How many times are we going to be talking about, oh, here's the theme of the show. Fucking the last couple of shows we've done have not really had a theme at all. And I kind of feel like, all right, let's bank that and put that into another show as well. So now anyone who signs up on patreon.com slash low res, sign up in the $5 tier. It's not going to be another episode of old boys because Kenny's missing. Kenny's Kenny. No one knows where Kenny is. I hope he's in Maine. I hope he's having sex with some older lady right now. That's the best case scenario for Kenny. But there could be this other program. I'm talking with Luke Valentine on the next mm. episode of this program. That's not movie related. So just what part if, of the feed, kind of like what, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, what they not, do with, with networks, I guess. And you just get it. Like well, I, let's, not do, let's not actually do that. We'll do that for the first few episodes. And then I'll start to throw it in another feed because if we do that, people get confused and anytime any podcast has done that where it's like, Hey, here's an episode. Here's a... people get confused and put off. Mm -hmm. So let's consider this the pilot 
of a non-exclusively movie theme show, but of course movies are going to come up because it's Hans and I, yeah. um, and, uh, we'll just go one, 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 one. It'll be as simple as that. You'll find them all on patreon.com slash and eventually Spotify and iTunes. So that's what that's going to be. Yeah, same, so- same, same amount of episodes probably per month. You know, like four episodes a month. That's our regular schedule. Maybe, maybe more. Maybe we'll we'll talk about it off mic. But um, yeah. yeah so if that's you want to listen, if you want to listen to more right wing opinions, listen to the other show. We're gonna this read. is called Right Side <laughs> Daily, and it's gonna be hosted by Hans and I every morning between eight and ten a.m. Yeah. to talk politics, news, and more. So you can have your morning coffee listening to us. Give our educated opinions. Of, and of stay tuned for Morning Joe, which is Hans's side program with Jerry, where they're going to ha- share coffee yeah. and talk about left-wing issues. Yeah. Yeah. Ho, it's an H because of my name. That's Morning right. Joe. What was I, I? I was on Barbie for a second. Oh, Barbie. They tried to make the daughter of America Ferreira, who's like a corporate lady in the movie. She's like a social justice, scrubby-looking girl. They clown on her. They make fun of her. They they explicitly like show you, oh yeah, that's not the way to be. Be like Barbie. Mm. And I was like, okay, Warner Brothers is maybe starting to open up a little bit, which is good because they're the the guy as far as like studios go, in my opinion anyway. Yeah. So if that's starting to happen, that's a good thing. It seems like Red Scare has left a big old dent on the on the culture in terms of women at least, and um harming any sort of social justice narratives from prevailing looking forward to that then hopefully it's true because i want to have to keep her watching movies from back in the day that i don't see as favorably anymore because of that <laughs> i think so i think the corner is just about rounded obviously next year could throw a big old wrench into things but i think we're right on the cusp of something different we might already be there i don't know Hard to tell at the moment. We'll we'll find out soon. Yeah. But anyway, do you have any, do you have any parting words for the show? Uh, no. I'm glad you're back. And uh, that's it. Because I I'm very uncomfortable being the lead. What's host. happening with that agitator show? Oh, I don't know. I haven't gotten back to it. Yeah, yeah. That ain't, <laughs> ain't it's gonna. Hey, my, here's what's gonna I, happen. It's gonna be me and you and them. That's what's gonna happen again. Probably, yeah. Which is fine. I'm totally cool with that. Um, They actually asked, I think, for both of us to go on their show um, soon. So we'll we'll work out to that. Yeah, that that settles (laughs) that. Uh, All right, movies. Patreon.com slash Lorez. This show is a different show. Uh, Patreon.com slash Lorez. Old episodes of old boys. Patreon.com slash Lorez. We got three episodes into season three before... That bottomed out. That'll hit Spotify and iTunes soon. Check them out. Uh, That's been the show. Thank you for listening.